We're going to look at the life of Jesus as expressed in the Quran and a bit from the Hadiths. The Quran and the Islamic faith honors Jesus. He is very honored, but perhaps not in the way that you are going to expect. The Quran has about 93 verses which relate his life. Primarily, it's a birth narrative. When you think of the story of Jesus in the scripture, in the Gospels, it's a much broader and a larger story. But the Quran has just a, a rather brief story of his birth. The Quran refers to that the Gospels, or the Injil as it's called in the Quran, gives the life of Jesus. And the scriptures such as the Injil must have been available or known or present at the time that Muhammad was speaking about them. He would have known of them because of they were present in some manner. We read this story looking in Surahs 3 and 19. They are the primary Surahs that give the life of Jesus. In Surah 3 and 19, we see that the story, God sent an angel to Mary, and by a miracle, Mary would be pregnant, and Mary would give birth to a son, a son called the Messiah. Jesus is spoken of as a creation. It's said that God said, be, and it is. It's related in the sense of being created at that moment. So it's not an incarnation, but a creation at that time. Like Adam, it says Jesus had no father or no mother. And again, we're thinking of the passages that God cannot beget sons. So God cannot have human relationships with a person. And quite often the misunderstanding is that Christians believe somehow in the biological connection, which no Christian belief has ever stated, but Muslims often attribute this type of belief to Christians. The title that is used primarily and over and over is that Jesus is called Son of Mary, and the name given is Asa. Asa, we don't have a lot of information to its origin, except that it was used in Syria, perhaps as followers of Asa, people were spoken of as Asaniya. But the special meaning of the word Messiah that we use in the scriptures is unknown in the Quran. It's often translated or spoken of by other Muslims that Messiah means a wandering person, a person who had no home, or something like an ambassador, a person who goes about representing other people in some way. There's no reference to any pre-existence. It's only thought of that at that moment that Mary gave birth, Jesus came into existence. And that always reminds me that sometimes when we tell the story of Jesus, we need to place it back further. We need to talk about his pre-existence, need to show God and what God was before the time of Jesus' physical birth in Jerusalem, in Bethlehem and living in Palestine and Jerusalem. I remember one occasion with a friend of mine who had heard 
lots of conversations about Jesus. But when we went to a Christmas program one year, the passage that was used was Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. And it was given in Arabic that time when previously she had heard the gospel mostly in French. And then she said to me, that's the first time I understood that Jesus wasn't just a person, that he was claiming to be God. Uh, because it was related, giving his existence before his birth. So the story of Jesus' birth, as we see, is very minimal. It has none of the prophecies, none of his other background. Joseph is not present or even mentioned. There's no shepherds. There's no wise men. It's just Mary and the birth of Christ. And his birth was described as being under a palm tree. And as Mary was taking her child back to her home, there was opposition to Mary as being a wicked person. And then there was the miracle that the child baby Jesus spoke to the crowd. And so we look at a few things that talk about Jesus' miracles. The first miracle that Muslims often speak to us about is that they have a special story in the Quran, the miracle of Jesus speaking as a child. And why do you not have it in the New Testament? He spoke to the people saying that he is a servant of God and he's Abdullah and God gave him a revelation and he is a prophet and he honors his mother and the prayers and so forth. So he, in a sense, you have him describing himself as a Muslim prophet and as a servant of God rather than as we would have thought the son of God or the Messiah himself. Then there's an, another episode where Jesus, is, as a child, creates clay pigeons and then breathes life into them, and they fly away. In the Hadith, there are several other stories very similar to that miracle of Jesus playing with children and creating animals or things that, that became alive. Lots of these stories perhaps will not surprise you if you're aware of the apocryphal books. Many things in the 4th, 5th, and 6th century before Islam and before the birth of Muhammad were apocryphal gospels and apocryphal books, such as the Gospel of Thomas or James the Lesser. And in these apocryphal gospels, we read many of these stories, these miraculous events that Jesus did as a baby and as a child. It's quite interesting sometimes to challenge if the Quran came down from heaven why are the things appearing in the Quran that come from human books from a very special historical moment? Seems that there's some kind of conflict, although lots of our Muslim friends have no idea of these other books. <clears throat> we mustn't be really too critical of them because basically lots of times most of them do not speak Arabic. And if they've memorized the Quran, They've memorized words and statements that perhaps they do not fully understand in a language which they do not speak, and they don't analyze the Quran. You just take it. It says this, you learn it, and you have the words of God without saying, what does it mean? Whereas we're used to analyzing everything and trying to find out where it came from, how it came, and so forth. But that is never their approach. And so we can't expect the same kind of arguments or the same kind of analysis that would, they would appear to be using. 
But as Jesus was an adult, we'll find that some of the miracles mentioned in the Quran are similar to those stated in the Gospel. Several times there is a statement that Jesus did signs and wonders, healed the blind, cleansing the lepers, and raising the dead. But there's a little phrase often that comes, by permission. In other words, the Quran does not acknowledge that he himself had the power over creation of healing and of doing these things, but he did them by permission. Of course, sometimes we would understand, yes, he did them in the will of the Father and power of the Holy Spirit as the triune God. He didn't do them himself for himself. That's very true. But this little expression is understood to be that Jesus himself had not within his nature to do these things. One of the unusual miracles that comes, and I always find it quite out, outstanding, is that the disciples and Mary were asking him about praying for a table to come down from heaven that God would make provisions. Well, in this one t instance, in sort of five, they, he asked God for the table. A table came down with bread. And as you look into the Muslim commentaries, you find quite interesting thoughts. Several of the Muslim commentaries said this was probably the feeding of the 5,000 or the 4,000. But then there's a number of them who say, but more relatively speaking, it's most likely to have been the communion when Jesus had the bread and the wine at the Passover with his disciples. And that seems rather strange that that should be the explanation if this is sort of five and in sort of four we've had a statement that Jesus never died. But we have in sort of five the story of something that sounds like the communion service. Uh, because there's a phrase given that the table came down and it's sort of a memorial. It's a memory thing that you will repeat and keep as a sort of a memorial over what this meaning of this table is. So the miracles, there's not very many details. Again, a rather brief statement that Jesus did miracles, healing the blind, the lepers, and raising the dead, but by permission, and a table that is a memory to him. The other thing that's quite interesting to see is that Jesus spoke many words, and what were those words that are recorded by the Quran? The words seem to be words that are giving a denial to his deity, but always underlining Allah or that he is just a human. Who will come and be my helpers in the work of Allah? And the disciples answered, yes, that they will care for him and that they will do the work. In other words, they're, he, they're stating that they're part of Allah and not specifically part of Jesus himself that it's Allah who is the person. Then he have one where the Quran has him question, did you not say, Jesus, son of Mary, worship me? You, never would he say this. But he said, worship Allah, my Lord, and your Lord. So this is a statement that causes Jesus to clearly be denying that he is God. He never said it, and that he is claiming no deity, and that he challenge people to worship only Allah. There's another one that is quite astounding, is that in Surah 61, 
uh, Jesus is saying that after him will come Ahmed. And this verse is quite a challenge because this verse seems to be giving credibility to the Quran that Jesus is saying that he is not, he's just a person and there's another person coming such as the Muhammad and that person will come. So it gives credibility to Muhammad and to the kind of credibility to the Quran, which also gives him no deity and makes him just a human being speaking about another prophet. And so the words that Jesus has in the Quran would seem to be very contrary to all words of scripture, even making Jesus not only not be seen as deity, but to himself deny his deity. The main other issue that we would like to look at in the Quran is what about his death? There are just a few verses about it. Again, in Surah 19, we have again, looking back in the same Surah that had the birth of Jesus, also had the birth of Muhammad. The birth of John is given, which is very similar to the Bible story, Zechariah and his prayer for a son and they had a son and he was called Yahya or John and we have a verse that John speaks the day I was born the day he will die and the day he will come back again in this passage John speaks in the third person that he that he would die and that he would come again uh, and if you look Many times when there's some problem with whatever's said in the Quran, immediately we have little footnotes in the translations that say there's a problem, this is contrary, there's some explanation. But here, there's no particular explanation, just saying that John died when Herod killed him. Uh, but about 10 verses later, we have after the birth of Jesus, we have Jesus speaking in the first person, and it says very similar words, the day I was born the day I die, and the day I come again. And immediately we have many, many commentary verses underneath comments and explanations that Jesus was born and that Jesus didn't die yet, but he will die at some point and come back again. And that the word die doesn't mean die. Several things said, perhaps asleep, perhaps he slept partially, perhaps he woke up again, perhaps he pretended to be sleeping all sorts of explanations. But actually in Arabic is the very same verb that John used just in the first person instead of the third person. And there is a problem because they don't accept that Jesus died. Then we have another verse in a passage that says, God promised to take Jesus up. And the word that is used in Arabic can have different meanings, but generally speaking, the word that is used always means death. If your neighbor said to you, my father died, you would understand clearly that he died if you were using this word. And yet, for Quranic interpretations in this passage, it always causes a problem that Jesus really just meant he was going to be taken to heaven without dying. And But then we come to the key passage. There, One more time it says that God will raise him up and the emphasis seems to be on God's sovereign power, 
there's the indication that Jesus could let Jesus, God could let Jesus die if he wished to. But God, of course, doesn't, wouldn't wish this, and he wouldn't treat prophets that way in the understanding and thinking of our Muslim friends. So it would never happen. But of course, God has power. God is all-powerful. God can do anything. But yet in their mind, one thing he would never do is let Jesus die. But in sort of four, we have the statements that he was not crucified, neither killed, but someone appeared to look like him, and God knew all these things, and they never happened. He certainly did not die. Uh, So this presents quite a few questions. The denial that he died definitely never died, but someone on the cross looked just like Jesus. Then you have questions, who was that? Um, Some people have tried to give the answer as being Simon the Cyrene, Barabbas, or someone else, and even one commentator suggested it was Peter for some reason, that Jesus was rescued. Jesus never appeared in the Gospel of Barnabas, you have the story that Jesus asked the disciples if they'd like to die for him and be there and appear for him. And he escaped, and one of them took his place. We have various references to stories like that. But I have a couple times been very brave and said to my friends, well, yes, it says here Jesus didn't die, but isn't it un- interesting? Somebody died for Jesus. The reason you didn't want Jesus to die for you is you told me you don't believe in substitution. Nobody can take my sins. But, rather unusual here, looks like somebody took Jesus' place. And they get rather perplexed. Wow, they never saw that one coming. And that's a bit sharp to say. But it does look like substitution is happening in a rather strange place. (laughs) There's a very strong statement and beliefs that God would not allow this to happen. God certainly must have raised him up. And that uh, this could never possibly have been true. It's quite hard sometimes to understand how people, when their historical evidences about the crucifixion, aside from Christianity, that you could say that God made statements from God that the historical evidence was not true and never happened. The Ahmadiyya theory of people who perhaps most of us know as Muslims, but some other Muslim people would deny that these people are Muslims, that it's a kind of heresy of Islam. But nevertheless, there are large numbers of people who are known as Ahmadiyya, who believe in Islam generally the same as everyone else, but they believe about the cross differently. Um, Ahmed Ghulam said that Jesus was on the cross and he died, or that he appeared to have died, perhaps, and later when they took him down, he recovered and became well, and after a period of time, went again preaching and went to India and to Kashmir, where he's buried, and Ahmadir Muslims visit his tomb in Kashmir. So the story of Jesus' death is not a part of the Quran. Substitution is a part that is very difficult for our Muslim friends to accept. But I think the the story of Abraham and his son is really helpful. Talking through the story of Abraham 
and they do know about Abraham. The story is in the Quran. Uh, interestingly enough, that in Surah uh, 37, where the, it talks about Abraham, it says Abraham and his son. It does not say Ishmael, and it does not say Isaac. In the context of the passages, it seems very clearly to be Isaac, and many Muslim commentators say that it was Isaac that Abraham took. And their early commentators all agree that it's Isaac. It's much later that commentators attribute it entirely to Ishmael. But the story, if you go tell it and look at it, how Abraham went and the journey, and after three days they stopped with his servants at the foot of the mountain, and how he says to his servants, we will come back. So it, Abraham has declared they will return. And they go up the mountain, and you have Isaac even asking, where is the sacrifice? And when they're up there, and he lays uh, Isaac on the altar, and then God stops him, and God provides the sacrifice. I often like to just ask my friends, where did the lamb come from? Are you sure Abraham didn't secretly take it up there? How did this happen? Where was it? Who gave it? It was only God who provided. Who died? Did Isaac die? No. Someone died for Isaac? Someone took Isaac's place? Ah, this is substitution that happened with Abraham. Isaac experienced that God accepts substitution and the lamb died, and Abraham and his son returned. It's quite interesting to see their reaction. They know the story basically, but as you think through and look at each detail, surprisingly how they can see, even if they insist on saying it's Ishmael, still there was substitution. Their problem that the, looking at the idea of substitution is still possible to be understood, even if they're not willing to look at it as Isaac. But also we had the experience of showing the Jesus film uh, where you see the life of Jesus and then the last part of the film where Jesus is crucified. We were looking at it with a family and some children and the little boy turned to his mother and said, see, I told you, Jesus really did die. It's the same person. All through the film it was like him and when he went on the cross it's the same one. Nobody changed him. I think he died. The mother was quite a bit shocked and the little boy said see don't say it anymore he didn't die I saw him well we didn't try to trick the little boy but it showed how how real when looking at certain things the shock and seeing that it is possible that the Lord Jesus died and to accept that idea it's not beyond acceptance and understanding and so we will continue in the next part to look at some of the answers of looking at deity and who Jesus is.